Welcome to this the ARC360 podcast brought to you in association with corporate partners BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, SNG Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners Aztec, the Green Parts Specialists in Darsa, Presco UK and the Innovation Group. And of course, don't be shy, check these people out. They're all great individuals and some really great products and service on offer. So just drop them a line or ping me a note if you want any contact details. I did a podcast last week and I didn't, I don't think I swore once. So I'm obviously capable of doing it. The reason I'm done up is because I'm going out on the after this. You know, I just haven't been out all week. And I did, I was out Tuesday for a little bit after work. But, you know, John and I are going to like run away after this because the boys are not here and we're like, right. There's a nice little Italian in the village, you know, and we're just going to go there. There you have it. Donna Scully, director of Carpenters Group, doing what she does best, being a very honest, open and daring self. Hello, I'm Mark Hadaway and welcome to this episode of the ARC360 podcast, during which we talk to Donna about a whole host of subject matters, from how she started out within the legal profession to how she has helped propel Carpenters Group to where they are today. She shares her thoughts on the evolution of the sector, mentioning whiplash only once, and provides her ideas on how claims could be positively impacted for the future. In true open style, we talk about the role of social media, the importance of being yourself, giving back, inspiration, and the secrets of success. She also reveals her Irish dancer alter ego and how the idea of self-driving vehicles continues to baffle her. Enjoy the podcast. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, Donna. Great to have you on the uh, ARC360 podcast. Are you well? I am. I'm very well. It's Friday afternoon and nearly the weekend and it's kind of sunny, so very well. Um, I suppose let's get on to the most uh, pressing matters of the moment. Like you, my son is an avid Liverpool fan. Just what happened this season then? Oh, God, that's a big question, isn't it, to start with? Well, there's quite there's a few things that happened, which was a huge diversion from winning the league, obviously. So we'll, we put that to one side. But, I mean, we had unprecedented injuries. And I have to say, it was a tough season and there were very tough parts of it, especially coming from a big win. But the end is not bad. You know, I think as, as a Liverpool fan at the end, you kind of went, good on you, you know. To, to pull that third out of the bag and obviously the Champions League, which is worth a lot of money. At the end of the day, the pain was worth it. And I, and I have to say all credit to, to my hero, Mr. Klopp and the team, because, you know, it, it must have been horrific. And I'm dying for Van Dijk to come back. Obviously, he, we, we need him back. Absolutely. Watch out, Gary Lineker. Donny, Donna Scull is on the case oh, here. Oh, no, I like football. Yeah, yeah. Go on, good on you. So come on, then. we'll touch upon the Euros then while we're here. You've been watching oh. it thus far? Not really, a little bit, but Ireland are not in, are they? So we didn't qualify. So that kind of does really take the gloss off it for me. I follow Liverpool on Twitter. So every time a Liverpool player plays for any country, we all support that country. (laughs) So, you know, whether it's even even, uh, Wijnaldum, we still support, I mean, Van Dijk's not playing for Holland, but we still support Holland when when Ginny's playing. I mean, anyone in the team, and they tell you, you know, so I follow it through the Liverpool thing as well, that the Liverpool team uh, fellas playing, then I'm following that team. But it's not Ireland or not in, so I want England to do well. Oh, well, there you go. We'll take that. And fingers yeah. crossed they do. All right. So so let's kind of, I suppose, get back to a more work-related type theme. And, you know, you yourself, you're very active on LinkedIn. And I, amongst many, I'm sure, absolutely admire and I'm inspired by your approach to business. You give a lot of yourself. You give a lot back. And you just seem to really enjoy life. You're in a very kind of, you know, 
what should we say, you know, important role in what you do. And, and let's be honest, you know, the legal profession, it's kind of really serious stuff. But but you yourself, you kind of shine through. So how do you do it? Um, oh, that's very nice of you to say, for starters. I mean, listen, the social media thing, because I do LinkedIn and I do Twitter, you have to worry about overexposure, don't you? And I think because of COVID, I have made a conscious decision to be more active and to be more fun and to you know, to interact, because for me, it's been great company. I found LinkedIn and, and Twitter great company during COVID. And when I felt quite isolated at the beginning, I felt less isolated because I could keep in touch with, you know, people like you and other people in the industry. So I kind of thought, well, if it's working for me, maybe I need to kind of get participate and, and, and give something back and be part of it. But it does really worry me. It worries me that you do hear comments on LinkedIn, don't you, about this is not Facebook. And there is that line where it's a business platform, probably more so than Twitter. And I probably go over that line in terms of my posts. But, you know, I just think this is me and I hope I don't offend too many people. And also that thing where don't follow me. You should only follow people that you like or you like the way they go on. I mean, I'm not on social media to fight with anybody. So if you don't like my style or you don't like what I say, you know, you know go away and, and, and follow someone else. So. I hope I'm getting it right. You never know if you are. And it's a very dangerous place to be. And I've, I'm well aware that by being there and being so vocal, it does set me up for a fall as well. You know, like if I ever do anything wrong or I mess up, it's going to be very public, isn't it? So, but, you know, I kind of take that on board. And I think another thing is, you know, I'm Irish, obviously. And I do think that's a huge part of me not taking life too seriously. And I'm not allowed. It's kind of against the law in Ireland. <laughs> to do that so and I think sh- showing myself I think as I've got older I've got a little bit more confidence and, and the imposter syndrome's kind of diminished a little bit and I kind of go if you can say like in your 50s this is this is you know what you see is what you get and I'm not saying it's perfect or it's it's where I want it to be I still work want to work on myself but you kind of have to say you know there's good in me and there's bad in me but here it is and I think for younger people it's good for them to see the human side of you and maybe the side that, you know, your vulnerabilities and your successes. And, you know, you know, that thing about having it all. Nobody has it all. And mm. I'd hate anyone to think that my life is charmed or perfect or anything because nobody's is. But I definitely up for making the best of it. And I do try and make the best of every day, even with COVID, trying to do the opposite to that. And I do think that is part of my DNA as an Irish person. I think it's kind of like what we're, we're, we're told. That's the way it has to be. And, and you shouldn't waste any time. So. That might be the reason, I think. No, I think it's absolutely great. And as you say, it really makes it personable. I think it's, you know, massively inspirational for people out there as well to see what you're doing and, and you know, kind of how you live your life to a degree. And and so you you are the director stroke owner of one of the UK's leading providers of insurance and legal services with a thousand employees and a 25 year history. Now, that's quite something in its own right. 20, but 27. 27 now. Yeah, God, 27. You go, John's 27 and I'm 24 this year because I was he, it was going for three years when I joined. So tell us a bit more about kind of the journey to date and, and the work Carpenters gets involved in. So, I mean, I'm a personal injury lawyer background for a long time. Um, I did legal aid work in Newcastle upon time when I came off the boat from Ireland. But once I got to London, I did personal injury. So I did trade union personal injury. Then I did motor in Jeffrey Green Russell. And I so I, I had that kind of motor experience working for insurers, legal expense companies, brokers. So John set up his 
small commercial practice, having been in a big practice, he got fed up being part of a big practice. We started Carpenters 27 years ago and kind of wanted me to join. And I wanted to kind of get more experience in London, even though I was older, I was newly qualified because I've come the longest route to becoming a lawyer that you can imagine. You know, I did legal secretary, ILEX and then conversion. I, I ha, you know, I haven't got a law degree. So honest to God, it took about four million years and then I got there. So I hadn't qualified that long when John set up. So I thought, no, I'd like to get a few years under my belt in London, which I did. I learned kind of mostly what you're not supposed to do. So when I kind of joined John, I said, right, this is what we're not doing. And this is what we're doing. But it was weird because I, I obviously it was in Merseyside, but we, the plan was always to be a national firm. So it was just a base. So I wasn't looking to, to break into the Merseyside market or anything. But a lot of people said to me it was a saturated market in personal injury and motor in that at that time. And why would I even try it? And it was ridiculous. And I think for me, it was like, well, you know, you could if you do something good, there's always room for you. And you can make room for yourself. I kind of went, well, you know, we kind of set out to do motor well, quality personal service, good IT, be innovative. So, you know, don't stand still and don't be a traditional law firm. You know, think bigger picture, think bigger, you know, scale, think bigger services. So I think from from very early, we got John was great and let me invest in IT from the get-go, even though we had no work. So that was a very brave decision. Um, and then you know, I got a guy from who I worked at in London and not an Australian guy to come and join me. And he was a brilliant IT expert and a lawyer. So that was great for us because we could write our own system. And so from the very beginning, we had control of our IT. You know, we were very we developers. We did all in house. Everything was in house. Then we set up the Ethnal, the call center we, over 20 years ago. And then, you know, we've now diversified into, you know, we do claim and defendant insurance services, recoveries. And our FNL is fault, non-fault. So, and, and everything is under the same umbrella of IT. We, we control everything. It's 24-7, our FNL, so so is our IT. I think for me as well, it was like being a lawyer or having a law firm is a business. And I think people used to think a law firm was like a different entity to a business, and it isn't. So I think that was the beginning. It was a good start. And then, you know, to, to kind of, we looked at our client base, which are, you know, insurers, fleets, brokers, and said, what do they need? What could we do for them that would we could do a bit cheaper? We could do a bit better with our IT capability, our flexibility and agility. And that's kind of where we got to today is that, you know, and we keep doing that. We keep kind of looking and seeing what do clients need? What can we do better for them? And what can we take off their plate? That's a hassle for them or is cost too costly? I mean, especially if you're a big entity and you've got a lot of legacy systems or, you know, any kind of issues like that, we can kind of take them off you and say, well, we're just you know, 27 years old, our IT is our own and we can develop stuff really quickly. So I think, you know, that responsive attitude is helpful. And I think partnerships, a lot, some of our clients we've been with for a long, long time and we have a big relationship partnership with them, which is very flexible. So I think it's kind of all those things really. And that's why it was important for us and it has been that we're recognized in the insurance market, even though we have a legal arm. Because, you know, you know, we're IFB membership, we've got ABI membership. So, you know, someone said to us recently that we're a disruptor and it sounds like a bad thing, doesn't it? I thought, oh, God, sounds really nasty. But <laughs> apparently that's a really good thing. So I think it's just like, you know, not not allowing tradition to, to close in on you and thinking outside the box and pushing the, the limits really and pushing the area. So I, I think that's probably where we started and where we've ended up now. 
it shows, you know, it's such a scale of a business now. You've not kind of allowed yourself to be pigeonholed, I think, is is, is important. You you still sound extremely agile in, in what you do, and that sounds a key focus. But it certainly sounds like you've, you know, you've worked hard for it. So are there any secrets to success? You know, has oh. there been any key moments kind of along the way or key things that you've done? I laugh at this. This makes me really laugh because I do a bit of mentoring and I go to school sometimes and talk to, you know, like, a-level students and stuff like that you know and they go like that you know give me the magic formula as if there is a magic formula you know as if I have a secret that I could I mean I'd be so rich I'd bottle it wouldn't I and I'd be selling it um, outside my door but there isn't really a secret and it's all those things that people don't want to hear especially when you're young if you're 17 or 18 you definitely don't want to hear this but you know I think it's you have to be determined you know I said to you how long it took me to qualify you know, some of that was really painful and boring. And, you know, I was missed out on some things with my friends because I couldn't go out because I was studying. You know, when you're 28 and your friends can go out for the weekend or go away for the weekend and you can. So you have to be determined. You have to work hard. You have to take the rough with the smooth and you have to fail. You know, you'll make good decisions and you'll make bad and you'll get rejections. You know, we've all had them and you have to dust yourself down. And I think that's really important as well. And I also think, for me and I didn't have this because you know my background is I come from a very working class background I left school at 16 so I didn't have anyone in my family who did law or who went to university so I think mentors are really important having someone who you maybe admire or you respect and reaching out to them and it's one of the things I like about LinkedIn I do get contacted on LinkedIn by people young people and older people and I'm really I like that and I'm always responsive to that because I think you know I miss that a bit and it, it is very helpful. So I think, you know, if, if you like the look of someone or you like the way someone's done something, ask them, ask them to talk to you. And I think as well about, you know, contacts. I had no contacts when I started out and probably no contacts for years. I have a few now because I'm older and, and, I, and I've been out and about. So I, I'm happy to share them. And I think we should all try and share them with young people and students and, you know, and try and give them a bit of a leg up or a bit of help. So whatever we've learned, we should try and share that information or share those contacts. So I would say, you know, reach out. You'll be re I think they'll be surprised how much people, older people want to help younger people because they're the future, aren't they? They're, they're going to make the world a better place and and not make some of the mistakes we make so I go you know I'm depending on you we're passing the baton back so let's give them the best chance to, to be successful so that's what I'd say no absolutely yeah paying paying it on I think is the term isn't it that, yeah uh, yeah that they use and, and yeah you're absolutely right and it, it, it's it's interesting isn't it when you kind of you know you, you look back on your own career and you think what well, how could I accelerated it quicker you know, in, in my younger years. And yeah, all those things that you've just mentioned, you'd absolutely kind of, you know, do do those things. But then again, you learn, you know, you are where you are now because you've you've taken that path. So so no regrets, yeah. so to speak. It makes you what you are, isn't it? Even the adversity. And you know, they say, oh, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I hate that saying, you know, it's like, oh, but it's true. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's true. And, you know, it's just painful, but it's true. Because if you only ever have success or everything goes right for you, when something goes wrong, you just won't be equipped to deal with it. Let's come at it from another angle then. So is there anyone you particularly kind of admire in business today or, or books that you read that inspire you? 
this is going to be really cliched and everyone's going to laugh or anybody who listens to this. I hope somebody listens to it. I mean, one of the biggest influences for me is John, obviously. John Carpenter is a huge influence for me. It's weird, isn't it? Because he's my life partner and he's my professional partner. But, you know, you meet someone along the way and I've met a good few people, but John stands out for me, obviously, because I think sometimes you don't see some of the stuff that you have because you're insecure, because of your background, because of imposter syndrome, whatever it is. And someone just kind of spots this good in you or this talent in you or whatever. And I think with John and me, he's a tough taskmaster, you know, so working with him has been tough and was tough very early on because I really didn't know what I was doing. But he sets goals. Then you achieve your goals. And then I want to celebrate for about two years that I reached a goal, you know, and go drinking every night. And he goes, he moves the goalpost, you know, like that's what he does. And I think his answer is, I knew you could do more. And I, I didn't think that was it. And he's, and he's kind of pushed me to try things. Like when I became chair of Mass, you know, the Motor Accident Sister Society, which is 10 years ago, bloody hell, he really pushed me. And the boys were young and the business was young and I was really nervous about it because I got kind of asked to do it. And I said, I don't think I can fit it in. I don't think I can give the justice to the business and the boys and you and everything. And he went, you need to do this. You're made to do this. So, you know, when you need that person, don't you, who kind of pushes you out of your comfort zone. And that was a turning point for me by doing that chairmanship for two years was kind of my introduction to public speaking, you know, round tables, writing articles. And obviously, you know, that I never shut up now. So it was a very big turning point for me. And probably in terms of social media, you know, nobody probably knew me before mass. And then all of a sudden they get to know you and then, you know, you get a voice and you, you can either use it positively or you could just go back to bed after you finish the two years. But I didn't. It kind of gave me a taste of it. And I thought I'm going to keep going at this. He's also very honourable. And I say this a lot when I talk about him, but his, his word is his bond. And that's a great lesson to learn early on. And it's a great way to run your business and it's a great way to run your life. So that's a huge one for me. He is, you don't, if you shake John's hand, you don't need anything in writing ever. And he is funny. You know, he doesn't try and, you know, curtail that bad side of me. I don't think he watches me on social media. So I probably get away with murder there. He's just a good person to be around. And he's been very good for me. And I think we've been very good together. And I think that the mixture of me and him setting up the business or me joining him really early and setting up the personal injury has just worked well together. You know, we kind of complement each other because we're very different, but we ha- we're very aligned in our thinking. His ears will be Don't burning right now. I was going to say, should we keep this keep this hidden from him, this uh, podcast? Oh, God, he'd be or? so big-headed, wouldn't he, yeah. if he heard how much I think of him? Okay, that's fair enough, right? That, that's our secret, clearly. No, really interesting to hear. And that's, you know, what a great insight, again, into like, into what you've done and how you've done it. And I think that's probably, I think that's when I first became aware of yourself was when you became chair of, of Mass. And I think that's where, I think I saw you in action at a conference once. Baptism of fire, that. Good on you for doing it. Well done, getting out of your comfort zone. So very, what, very much so. What continues to kind of excite you about Carpenter's Group and the environment you operate in today. Now, we kind of made a secret pledge, didn't we, before we started, we weren't going to mention the uh, PI reforms, but that may may come into play now. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I can sidetrack them in in that answer. I I mean, I still have loads of fire in my belly. Long may that last. I suppose it's different kind of fire in a way, and I have adjusted my role in Carpenters and how I work with Carpenters and be a part of it. And it kind of suits me, and I think it's kind of, I'm enjoying it and I think it's better for the business. So, 
for a number of years now, we have a CEO, we have Donna Richards and we have an exec team. We've got Alan there, you know, chief legal officer. He's a much better lawyer than I'll ever be. And we have a great IT, you know, Karen as, as, as chief information officer. So I have a great team now running it. I ran it. I was kind of, I suppose, the CEO, if you like, or whatever. I didn't call myself that. But for about 20 years, I just felt like that was enough of day to day stuff for me. And I wanted to I wanted to spend more time with the boys. I wanted to do more industry stuff. I wanted to do more charity stuff. And I just didn't have time running the business every day. And I think the business needed something new and a bit of fresh impetus. So that's changed for me. So I'm a director. I'm a co-owner, but I'm not running the day to day. I'm strategic. So I suppose that maybe has given me more fire in my belly and more time. Because, you know, this, I have been listening to Brené Brown. I have spoke about this on social media, you know, daring to lead and all the stuff I should have listened to years ago. I'm way too late. But but I think, you know, she talks about the whiteboard. I didn't even know what that was, by the way, until I listened to um, on my audio walking, you know, my COVID walking. But the whiteboard thing, I suppose I have a bit of a whiteboard now mentally. Whereas when I was running it for 20 years, I didn't ever stop and think I did. You know, I was always on the run. I like that I could be more strategic. I think I can look at PR and marketing more. I can look at, you know, I work a lot with Donna with I Love Claims, trying to get involved in industry stuff, including those those reforms that we're not going to talk about. Because one of the things when I was chair of maths, because um, you go in for two years and you have to have a bit of a plan. I wanted a bit of a, you know, a plan or, um, you know, something that I wanted to achieve in the two years. And one of them was I wanted to try and get the industry to more to collaborate more particularly around fighting fraud. But not just that, I wanted that, because when I went, the first ABI conference I went to when I was chair, because you get invited to places just because you're chair, I was the only claimant representative in a room of like, you know, 500 people. And I was kind of saying, this is an echo chamber. And it was funny, Susanna Reid was the chairperson, you know, the, the presenter. And I, I came in in the afternoon for a session. Later on, we were having a cup of tea, you know, at the break. And she said to me, how come you're the only person all day who said something different? Everyone else <laughs> said exactly the same thing. And I thought, there you go. You know, she knew, she saw that. And I just thought, so I've kind of spent years trying to say, I mean, you do it great at Isle of Claims. You get, you know, if you have a session, we just had a, a, a whiplash session. I mentioned the W word. And we had, you know, different representatives from, from around the, the industry. And I think that's just how it should be. It should be rounded. It should be a proper debate. You should hear both sides. So, I think for me, that's something I've really wanted to to, to achieve or to, to change in, in my time. And I suppose I still work on that. And I work on that really by 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 my feet, by you know using my feet. I go to round tables, you know, I put myself forward. And I suppose I have time for that because I'm not doing the day-to-day as much. So yeah. in a long-winded way, Mark, that's the answer. Well, we're always extremely grateful for your input and insight into any of the sessions that you're involved in for us. And they always generate great interest because, you know, what you're going to get, you're going to get something from Donna Scully that's different. So it's always great to have you on board. So you are involved in, you know, we've used the term giving back and you are involved in a lot of charity projects, giving back. Tell us about some of these and, you know, what it means to you. And I saw only last night you won an award, didn't you, for something? Yeah, we did. Well, we we did. I mean, yeah, we. It was the Echo, in the newspaper here, the Business Awards in Liverpool. It was it was virtual, so I I didn't I didn't get to go up on stage when they called out my name like the Oscars. I just sit at my computer and just wave. And, but um, the lovely thing about that award was that we were nominated by a community centre in Liverpool called the L Six, 
and Jared Woodhouse, who, who, who runs it. So I think that was quite nice because we got an email from the Echo Award saying you've been nominated. And we went, huh? We didn't, you know, because I think people nominate themselves. And I said, are you sure? You know, and anyway, and they wouldn't tell us who it was. And then eventually I guessed, I, I started to narrow it down and I guessed it was the L6. But so that, yeah, that was lovely. But I, I think one of the things I said last night when I accept, like in my, you know, my Kate Winslet Oscar speech, it didn't last that long. But, you know, well, one of the things I did say is it feels a bit weird for us to be getting an award just for kind of trying to support these great community groups and fundraise for them, give them money, trying to get them vans and things like that when they're so hands-on every day you know and we're just kind of dipping in and out but anyway we got it so you know I kind of share I'm sharing it with them and using it as a, a kind of a platform to talk about their great work but I think from the very beginning John and I were both from a very working class background we we both haven't been to university we haven't got a law degree I suppose you'd expect someone like us to not forget where we come from and I suppose that's a big part of the DNA of the business is me and John and, and from day one, we've always done, you know, looked at charitable work, you know, whether it's to do with cancer or any of the, the big issues for us. But I, I think in the last sort of four or five years, the thing about hunger and homelessness has really reared its head. It's particularly bad in Merseyside. I'd, I'm sure it's particularly bad everywhere now, but it's really bad. So we started working with fan supporting food banks, who, you know, are a, a charity, which is Liverpool fans and Everton fans. And they started with a wheelie bin outside each ground and people throwing a few tins of soup in to now having a big, huge pantry truck and, a, and another van. And they're supplying food to St. Andrews in Liverpool on a huge scale. And I don't know what St. Andrews would do without them. So it just shows you, you know, from those little acorns, you can build something really big. So we've been working with them for years. We set up a, a homeless breakfast club on a su- Sunday morning. I have tweeted about that a lot because to tell the stories of the people who come in. So I think, yeah, I, I think the staff are great. You know, when we when I say to them, this is what we need to do. You know, this is what's happening out there. They're just very quick to get involved and to want to help. I think it's really good for a business to have that kind of feel about it. I mean, it's not just ticking the CSR box. I, you know, I, I, I'm delighted CSR is on the agenda. And if it makes some businesses that haven't thought about it do it, then great. I'm not, I'm never going to knock it. But I think it's different. I think you have to live it. And I think the staff know that that's part of what we do and we expect them to help us. And I, I suppose for me, I've always loved to do charity stuff. When you suddenly have a business of a thousand people, your power grows. So, you know, not only what John and I can donate or give, or my time or whatever, but you know, you have a voice so you can get other people involved and you can raise a lot of money and support through a thousand people. And, you know, we do events and stuff like that. So I think that's the really big thing. I think I do talk about charity a lot, which some people might not like, and it could be nauseating, I suppose, but in another way, it's a platform. I use the platform of social media to get people involved and through that I mean for example the van for L6 you know I put out a call they said they needed a van desperately because they had people shielding in COVID who they couldn't deliver food to they had schools who weren't having school meals and stuff so they needed it urgently I put a call out they put a call out on Twitter I contacted Ian Donaldson at Swinton and Ardonna and asked him could he help he said yes absolutely and then Kinderton so between the three of us we delivered a hire van within a week and that they had that for a couple of months. And then two months later, we delivered a brand new Mercedes van with all the logo on that they wanted. Three companies got together and did that. Now, without social media, I wouldn't have seen their call for it. I wouldn't have been able to contact 
Ian, it just, I just think it's, it's a power for good. You know, there's a lot of bad about social media, but there's a lot of good in the charity giving back space because it does motivate people. And, you know, I put out the other day and I do want to thank people because they're so great. And I can't tell you, but, you know, the big truck needed to be insured. I don't know if you saw and Covea did it last year. I mean, this, Pete Ryan said we have a truck. I was like, you mean a van? No, 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 no. I mean, I don't know if you saw the picture of it. Like, it's an Arctic. So, you know, who do I ask to do that? Covea, you know, and, and Stephen Walker and, and the gang there. And I just think, and then when we got the price, which was ridiculously low, I'd have to kill you if I told you because everyone would want an Arctic for this price. <laughs> but, you know, because it was such a good cause, they paid 50% of the cost and I only had to pay 50%. And then the same this year. Renewal time, same price, 50%. I mean, you know, this industry is really kind. And I think, you know, it's really kind of gives me great heart to hear and see what everybody does. I think it's a huge, it's really important for me. And I think it's good for people. And I think in COVID, it couldn't be more important and more desperate, really. Yeah, no, I think that's a really heartwarming story. And, and not only kind of, you True know, do you story. see people pulling together, but it's it's lovely. And it really is, you know, and to have that ingrained in your business as part of, I'm an employee for Carpenters, this is part of what we do. I think that's so important. You know, hats off to you guys. And I suppose, you know, from this side, ILC, we do the same with the with the Rainbow Trust. Huge admiration for that organisation, that charity, and, and our support yeah. of it is, is crucially important to us. So. And you motivate all of us. I mean, I'm, I met Rainbow Trust through you 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and you motivate us. You know, you get us either through the lunch or, you know, when it's Valentine's Day or, you know, like you've really, really raised the profile of Rainbow Trust in the insurance industry and got us all on board. And we're all like, you know, members and we're on a team together. So I you see, again, that just shows the power of, you know, your power. You've used it. And I think that's what I think. I mean, the guy from um, Transport and Food Banks, Dave Kelly, early on, he was saying to me, Donna, this is a movement and, and we're part of a movement and we need to get more people in the movement. And that's Lovely. the kind of thing we're talking about, isn't it? That's great, isn't it? Oh, fantastic. Good to hear. I suppose let's let's jump back into the industry a little bit and yeah. probably a bit of a, a cliched question. But if you could have the uh, have the magic wand and alter one thing about the sector, you know and love, what, what would it be? I have to be honest and say I've seen lots of improvements in the, you know, 24 years or something more than that that have been in this industry. I have seen lots of improvements, so I don't want to come in bashing it. It's been brilliant. I think in terms of collaboration, that word that's kind of abused, really, because, you know, if it's genuine, then you have to walk the walk, don't you, and not just talk about it. It's easy to talk about it. But, you know, from kind of being the only claimant around the table or the only claimant at an insurance industry, it isn't like that now at all. You know, you get panels are very balanced and, you know, so it's completely changed for me in 10 years, really, because that was the, the, when the mass thing was. So positive there. I think in terms of the quality, I think it's improving and it's better than it was. And a lot of people say it's too slow and it is too slow and it, it's going to take too long, I suppose, the way we're doing it. But I'm still not going to bash it. I still think it's great for me being a bit older. It was a lot worse. You know, I, I would go to meetings and be the only woman or there's only be two women there or you go to a conference and there'd be like six women. I think when I went to the engineers dinner at the Connacht Rooms, which used to take place every year, I mean, one year I went and I swear out of about a thousand people, there was about 10 women. It was so bad. So that's improved. And I'm pleased about that. And, and a lot more needs to happen there. I do think we need to work together more. I think we need to be a bit more honest with each other. 
I know there's a competition and, I, and I'm aware of that, but that doesn't stop you from sharing information, from joining up for things like fighting fraud together, you know, looking at the best thing for customers. The best thing for customers is not for us to be fighting each other because it delays things and it costs money. You know, if we do really work better together, then we're going to give a better service to the customer. And I think we're all grown ups. So I understand that if we're in a situation where there needs to be a fight, then there has to be a fight. And I don't mean a fight, obviously, physical fight. I mean, in terms of maybe litigation or settling a dispute or something. But I think generally day to day, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't need a fight and doesn't need us to argue about. So I think we could you know, do that and be more open-minded. I do think we're doing that anyway. For us at Carpenters, we do have a fairly good working relationship with, with you know, a lot of insurers and brokers and stuff. So that, again, has moved for me. So I'm not going to say everything's bad because I think there's been a lot of good. And I really would just continue with that. I think reputationally, we take hits, don't we, as an industry? And, and that's just the way it goes. Obviously, business interruption you know, set us back in terms of reputation. And I think that's sad because in COVID, insurers have done some good things as well. You know, like, you know, pay as you go insurance, more flexibility. There's been a lot of information out from insurers to people warning them about scamming and, you know, cold calling and Google's, you know, scams and and ads and things like that. So, you know, it's sad, isn't it, that they do a lot, we do a lot of good as an industry and then something comes along and, we have to get over that, but we're going to have to just dust ourselves down and build that trust back up again with people and say, look, you know, we've never had a pandemic before. We've never had to look at business interruption so forensically before. And we maybe got things right and we maybe got things wrong, but nobody was trying to be really horrible. And we have to learn our lessons and, and get on with it. You know, I think reputationally, we have to try and build trust with customers because if we don't want them to be trying it on and exaggerating and, and perpetrating fraud, and I don't mean this in terms of rings, I mean individuals, then there has to be trust and they have to re- realise that insurers are there to pay out in the right circumstances and they will pay a reasonable amount, but no more. That's kind of what I would hope to see continue and grow and, and, and do get better. I suppose moving that on then, how do you see you know, the world of insurance and, and legal services changing in the coming years? Has the pandemic changed things forever? I think the answer is yes. Whether it's irreparable, I don't mean even irreparable, whether it stays, for example, agile working and partial home working or hybrid, that's definitely going to happen and is happening already. So I suppose the big question is, will it work and will it be as good as people think and will they still want it or will people get fed up around and they'll end up going back to the office more and more? I don't know. But I think that we have to test it. We have to see how it goes, both for businesses and for people's well-being and for just because it's something that we probably should have looked at and we were it was on our agenda but we couldn't get around to it you know we were all kind of dabbling in it and now it was thrust on us so I think it's in our it's in our gift now and we should try and see how it goes and and make it work so that's one that we have to watch and see I suspect we will continue with hybrid I think we can maybe make it work Uh, because traveling is bad for climate isn't it? it's bad for the environment it's bad for your pocket it's bad for the time you miss out of the day or with your family so I think it's definitely something that has to be looked at properly and I think you know we'll do that I think that pays you go insurance you know when you need it because if you're at home three days a week or two days a week you're not driving your car you don't want to be paying when you're not so I think that's a, a big game change for us and it'd be interesting to see how that continues and pans out but I think we, it's, it's like, isn't it, something comes up and we have to say, well, we need to, to adapt. We need to innovate. 
and we have to offer a, you know a, a more flexible service so there's more flexible working more flexible insurance when you need it you know one of my big things and I don't want to sound holier than thou and, and obviously we just talked about charity but you know I hope we come out kinder if we haven't if we don't come out of this kinder I'm going to be so upset and angry with people because you know I think we are supporting each other and being quite nice to each other through this because it's a, it's a tough old time and, and getting tougher because it, it doesn't get easier to deal with it gets harder the longer it goes on so I want us to stay kind and uh, look after each other and not be quick to judge and throw stones and, and all that kind of thing I think you know just give people a bit of rope and and you know see the best in people before we see the worst so I'll be really upset if and people are a few friends of mine have said oh don't be so ridiculous as soon as we get out there we'll forget all about that kindness stuff you know but I don't I hope we don't and I and I don't, I'm not sure we will because I think we'll think back to how bad it was and how much was taken away from us so dramatically you know and I think go, going with kindness is gratitude isn't it grateful because we, we we can kind of go I haven't got enough I want more I want this I want that and you kind of go well you know what you're not doing too bad I remember when you couldn't even go out for a meal or you couldn't even go the hairdressers, for God's sake. Just be grateful. But, you know, will we stay grateful? I'm so grateful at the moment. Everything I do, if I go out, I'm going out later to celebrate the award. I, I, I'm so I'm so excited to go out still because I'm not really used to it. So, you know, will that last? I hope so. Yes, certainly do hope so. And yeah, it's the simple things in life, isn't it? I think yeah. we've all probably reflected on that. Well, there's a key message. Let's not upset Donna and, uh, no. and let's stay kind. Simple as I'll that. Be out. I'll, be, I'll be, you know, you'll be meeting me at industry things. And if, I'm, if you're not a kind, grateful person, you know, well, I'm not buying you a drink. <laughs> oh and we can't wait to get back to all of that that's for sure so exactly well, well donna that that kind of concludes the I, I say formal aspect of the interview but let's not uh let's not take it to that extreme but, but i didn't been, think it was that formal was it no was i like, know uh, it wasn't at all no, no, it's been really. lovely to speak to you but let's have a quick fire question round what one thing might not many people know about you oh god Keep that's, it that's a ridiculous question for someone like me, isn't it? Who's so open and so like, <laughs> you know, in your face and like, <laughs> like that. Uh, oh God. I, I suppose two things maybe that people, are, I mean, I am, I can be serious and, and there is a serious side of me because I, I you know, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I wasn't a little bit serious. I was a little bit serious about qualifying as a solicitor. So that took me a hundred years. So there's a serious side of me. I suppose people don't see that that often. And insecure. I think that people think you're not insecure because you're loud. I'm, I'm putting my hands up and saying, you know, I'm, I can be serious and I'm a bit insecure. We're all human at the end of the day. We're all human. What would your alter ego be doing as a career right now? Well. Those who know me and who socialise with me would say I want to be an Irish dancer because if I get a few drinks, I get up to do my Irish dancing and I only had one lesson. So it's a very poor excuse for an Irish dance or a reel, I have to tell you. Because I live in England, I get away with it because I don't okay. come across that many Irish people. I would great, I'd love to be a great Irish dancer. And if I was, you'd never, I'd never sit down everywhere you go. At Isle of Flames lunch, you'd have to try and get me off the stage doing my Irish dancing. But, you know, a bit of a performer. I do like, I mean, I can't sing a note, but I used to sing as a child. I'd get up on stage and sing and everything. I, so I am a bit of a performer. So I think if I wasn't a lawyer, then I would be, you know, maybe an actress. I couldn't be a singer or an Irish dancer, something like that. Something that was a bit fun and, you know, and a bit of an audience. I don't, you know, I probably quite like that and a bit of a laugh. 
Right. Okay. So ILC Got Talent is. Uh, we'll, we'll tick you in for that. We did, we did talk this? about a boy band, didn't we, at one we of our did, events? Did yeah. There has been conversations about some sort yeah. of industry band forming, and uh, yeah. yeah, maybe it could be an Irish band, like a Kaylee band, and I could do the dancing because I can sing. But we'd have to rethink that, really. <laughs> By everyone's own perception of their talents, I think it could be anything at this stage. It could, yeah, um, it could, yeah. What's the best bit of business advice you've ever heard, seen, or received? I, I think it's be yourself. And I think it's harder to be yourself when you're younger because you are frightened to be yourself and you think people might not like you or you might not be what they're looking for. I think sometimes you, you're your own biggest barrier to your success or to your progression. And I think it's that getting to like yourself and be yourself and be proud of who you are. And when I do the mentoring at schools, I always talk about that. You know, you're great. You know, just just believe it. And I don't mean be big headed or I don't mean be conceited, but I mean you have to have a bit of confidence in yeah. your ability and in yourself because otherwise the, 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 the road's too tough. Nobody hands it to you on a plate, do they? No. You have to do it off your own back. So, uh, oh, that's a great message. Okay, and we are kind of, you know, mo let's continue the, the motor theme. Self-driving vehicles for you, yes or no, and, and why? It's funny because the person who comes into my mind, and I don't know if he listens to this, but if he doesn't, I'm going to send it to him, is David Williams at AXA. He is Mr. <laughs> Self-driving, isn't he? He is the man so is. of the moment. And I've listened to him over the years talk about this so much. And I, I always laugh when I meet him and say, will the car take me to the pub? Can I get drunk? And will it take me home? And he's like, no, it won't do that, Donna. It doesn't do that. You have to stay sober and you have to. So I'm like, what's the point in it then? Then I, I, I'll get a taxi. So do you know what? Being serious for a minute, I can't get my head around it. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm such a bad driver. I just can't get my head around it. I, and I'm a bit of a control freak. So I'm like, what? I saw something in the news yesterday which made me think of David Williams. And it said some of these self-driving cars can't see children. Did you see that? They can't? See, see children. Oh, that's not very it's useful. A slight issue, I thought to myself. Now, maybe I misread it or I just kind of flicked through it. But I laughed when I saw it. I thought, oh, my God. Yeah. Children. So I would say, I, I, listen, it's, it's, sometimes when change happens, and if this change happens and it does look like it's coming, I'm going to have to suck it up and get used to it and, and live with it. But I can't see myself in a self-driving car. I'm going to be the last person, you know, if I'm still alive, driving the normal car, going, <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. You know, I couldn't imagine John doing it. He's even a bigger control freak than me. So, but, you know, let's see. I mean, I read all about it and it looks like it's inevitable, isn't it? I mean, this, listen, there was horses and carts, wasn't there? It probably is going to, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, nothing, and, and people went to the moon. Well, exactly that, exactly so, that. Yeah. Hey. Let's catch up in a few years and say, tell me what's this, like in your self-driving car. Let's have this conversation in a self-driving <laughs> car in a few years' time. Hey, Donna, it's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for asking me. It was, um, it was a privilege. Thank you. Oh, it's nice. Great, great to talk about, uh, well, I suppose, non-work related things in a way. So, uh, and yeah. you only mentioned the PI reforms twice. Yeah, we, I think I, I only mentioned Whiplash once. Well done, you. There you and go. And I got away with it. <laughs>
Donna Scully, everyone. Recording this with Donna was an absolute pleasure, and I hope you agree, it made for a great listen. So many life and business lessons in there, as well as a fascinating insight into the changing world of insurance and legal services. Plus, of course, heaps of personality and personal anecdotes to keep us all entertained. I, for one, will be heeding Donna's advice to be kind, and who knows, I might even join in with some Irish dancing when the opportunity arises. Thank you to Donna, and of course, everyone for tuning in. And of course, a big thank you to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, SG Response, and Sherwin Williams, as well as our partners Aztec, the Green Part Specialists in DASA, Innovation Group, and Prasco UK. You've been listening to the ARC 360 podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. Catch up with you all soon. Take care.